you know, Bob Marley had a song called Judge Not. And it says, before you point your fingers, make sure your hands are clean. The deal is too, is we need everybody and we need white, black, whatever to come together to fix this issue of racism and, and eliminate it. But white people have to be honest with themselves. You know, you say you're not racist, but make sure of that because you can't write things until you're right yourself. Welcome to Love Your Neighbor. In this episode, Reverend Ann Kirschmeyer speaks with Reverend Lorna Williams. Well, hello, friends. Today is Saturday, August the 1st, and I have the great privilege of being here today with someone that many of you know very well, Lorna Williams. So just a little background for those who may not know Lorna, or you may learn things you, you didn't know in this background. Lorna was born in Jamaica, in the capital city of Kingston. She is the fifth of seven children. She is a fraternal twin, uh, the older of the two twins. When she was 16 years old, she immigrated to the United States and settled in Brooklyn, New York. Lorna has a Bachelor of Science in Elementary Education from the State University of New York College at New Paltz. She has a Master of Divinity from Seabury Western Theological Seminary, which is in Evanston, Illinois, which is incidentally also my alma mater, although I didn't get the chance to meet Lorna. We weren't there at the same time. Lorna graduated in the year 1997 from Seabury Western, and she also became an American citizen later that year. She was ordained to the priesthood in 1999. So she has had 21 years of ordained ministry as a priest and she's served parishes in all along the East Coast and also in Michigan. She currently is the associate priest at St. Luke's, which is in the Germantown section of Philadelphia. And of course, Lorna has a strong St. Andrews connection. She was our beloved associate rector for children and youth for two years. Lorna is also the first clergy person that I ever had the privilege of calling. And she very rapidly became not only a colleague, but a good friend. And actually, Lorna, one of the things I was thinking about, I'm sure you remember this, but um, before you actually started working at St. Andrews, you were already in Newport News and we'd already talked quite a bit, but I, I don't know if you remember, I was having this terrible day the day before you started and something bad had happened and I was really upset about it. So I called you up and you came into my office and I sat on the couch and cried <laughs> and you were, you were so pastoral. Um, so, you know, I, anyway, I have so many fond memories of, of the privilege of working with you. So Lorna, I know, you know, I sent you these questions ahead of time because I didn't want you to, to be surprised. And just to recap, at St. Andrews, we are, of course, a predominantly white church and we are trying to do work about racism and, and um, you know, responding to racism. And so one part of that is that I've been doing this series talking to friends of mine who are people of color and trying to get a sense of what the perspective is like from somebody who doesn't look like me as we, we're navigating for, I think for white people, maybe some new awareness of things that have, of course, been happening for a very long time. So that's kind of a, 
the background setting. So Lorna, <clears throat> just to start with, how are you? Good. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying being at St. Luke's in Germantown section of Philadelphia, but I also miss um, our folks at St. Andrews. You know, I just get a lot of love and, and I still remember everyone funding with a lot of love. And of course, love working with you, Anne. <laughs> So we've become really good friends and it's a blessing. So it's just wonderful. So it's, you know, it's been wonderful. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm be honest with you. I'm really kind of um, concerned for our country. Mm. Um, when I became a citizen here, I was overjoyed. I was in a courtroom in Chicago and with all the other ones, you know, raising their right hands. And, and I absolutely love being an American, but I'm really concerned about, you know, this the hatred. I mean, it's gotten much worse, I feel, in the last four years, um, you know, and um, I can feel despair, but our God says for us not to despair, but we have to go with hope. Right? So that's the side I'm on right now. I think we'll get better, uh, not just for black and brown Americans, but for everybody, because it affects us all. It's not just a black problem, right? You know, it's a problem, it's a human problem, and it's an American problem. Racism don't exist anywhere else in the world. It does, but we're here right now, and this is where we're dealing with is with you know um, the United States and what's going on. It's had a long history, so I feel I want to feel some hope. Yeah. Me too, Lorna. Yeah. Yeah. So, what is this current situation like for you? for your family, but then also for your congregation. And, and I want to note for folks who may not know it, that St. Um, Luke's is a predominantly black congregation, right? So mm -hmm. it's, it's a different, a uh, whole different context from, from what it was like being here, so. Um, I mean, my parents, I mean, on the personal side, my parents are doing really well. I mean, you know that you already know that, that the main reason why I left, uh, from say, well, actually, the, the only reason I left us, uh, St. Andrews because my parents were, uh, my mom especially got ill. Yes. Uh, diabetics and diabetes got so much worse. And um, I'm glad I came because as soon as I came, I hit the ground running. You know, I was I'm helping my mom get her medicine straight and uh, her testing on a schedule. And so they're doing a whole lot better. So thank yeah. you for asking. Thank you. And my parents said hello to everybody, St. Andrews, especially to the beloved mother. Hello, <laughs> um, <that. laughs> So, um, you know, so they're going, doing a lot better. Um, uh, the congregation is, um, at St. Luke's is um, pretty well. Um, I have a great working relationship with the rector, as I've had with you, Anne, um, the rector. And um, it's predominantly black congregation. And so with all the protests um, to try and change America for the better, um, when it comes to racism, um, it really has... Um, it's on the forefront of their minds. Um, and they, and the congregation and of course the clergy themselves too, we, we, we talk about it constantly. That's one thing I would recommend to folks, talk about it, don't hide it, don't ignore it. If you talk about it, things can heal better. If you don't talk mm -hmm. about it, you know, they had a, a, I saw a protest sign from way back in the day said silence equal death. And that, mm -hmm. that is, you know, it doesn't mean necessarily physical death, but you know, it just means that Things will break down if you don't talk to each other. Congregation is doing really, really well in that way, in that they, um, you know, are um, sick of tired of being sick and tired. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
So um, we're we're all ready for change. Oh, and I don't mean just Black and Brown Americans. I mean everybody. We're tired of this. <laughs> I get it. Thanks. Yes, ma'am. So. What about, are you willing to talk a little bit about how you personally in your life have experienced wow. racism? I'm sure huh. you have. Oh boy. Well, I came here when I was 16. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the first time racism was ever blatant to me was when um, I was a senior in high school and we were getting ready for college. And um, they would bring these, I don't know if that happened to you and um, at your the way you grew up, but they would bring all these college people in to advertise their colleges and say, come to us because we give you, you know, X amount of um, financial aid and blah, blah, blah. And this was a white woman who came, young white woman who came to do this for us. And all she did was sit there and stared at us. Kid you not. And we're like, so what you got? She said, I, I don't want to show you anything. And I'm like, yeah, you shocked as I am. <laughs> I was so like, you had a predominantly black high school? Like yeah, this yeah. Brooklyn High School, uh, predominantly immigrant kids. You've never experienced this before, you know? Um, not that if you experience it, it's better, but you, if you've never experienced it before, it's even more shocking to the system. And I couldn't believe it. And, um, and we said, why not? He's like, you people are not going to go anyway. I'm like, really? So it was really hard. And um, she left. After a while, she left because you know, we just said, you know, what are we going to do? And we complained to school, but I don't remember what happened after that. You know, but we were on our own yeah. trying to go to college. Wow. That's a big one. And so, you know, I mean, it's something as, as simple as that. She mm -hmm. just refused to deal with us. And I'm like, right. why? <laughs> so the so, opportunity isn't even given. Um, huh? Sorry. You weren't even given the opportunity at, at all. None. Um, None. Yeah. So, and then of course, that's not the only experience, you know, I would have had, unfortunately, many. Um, and it's just as subtle sometimes, you know, as you're walking by somebody in the supermarket and they have their purse in their cart and as soon as they see you walk by, they grab the purse. Mm. But keep your eyes open, you will see that. It's not just a black thing, it's a, it's a, it's something everybody can see. Little yeah. things like that, and they add up because then I can understand why black and brown folks who were born here, it's so ingrained in them because they, this has been happening forever in their lives. And for me, who's not been happening forever in my life, it's been very shocking and still continues to be shocking. You know, um, I, and I think about my niece, you know, my little niece, he's 10 years old now. Can you believe that? No. <laughs> When she was little, she, um, she couldn't bring her toy into the store. You know, she, two, she was two, about two, or a year and a half, and she couldn't bring her toy into the store as the other white little girls were able to bring their dollies into the store because yeah. they would have them off stealing. I mean, it's that kind of stuff. And, um, you, know, it's, it's not, you know, it's not just folks burning crosses in your front yard. That's, not just, that's part of it, but that's not what happens every day. So, you know, it's important that folks listen when black and brown folks say this is happening. Um, and it's not something to sweep under the rug anymore. Do you, yeah. Is there any um, 
Do you have any examples of church stuff? I mean, because you've been a leader in the church for 21 years, uh, and I'm assuming, um, you know, that, that being a leader who's a woman of color, <laughs> uh, you know, has probably been a, a, a place where racism has happened. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> um, so, you know, I think there was one time when I, Oh, yes. Um, I was at a church um, where I was part of the road up preaching. There was a big staff and there was a bunch of folks preaching and stuff. And um, I did a sermon one day and um, the, the rector at the time called me into um, her office and said to me, I don't like the way you're preaching. I'm like, Okay. Um, did I say something theologically wrong, you know, or did I, you know, not connect scripture? I mean, what is it? And mm -hmm. she said, no, I, I don't like the way you're preaching and I, I don't like your style. And, um, you know, you, you, you have to learn to preach like all the other people or the other um, clergy on the staff and you're just too different. Cold words. Yes. So when I hear difference, I'm thinking color, because I was the only person of color, a clergy of color on the staff. And sometimes there's some white people who don't use the word you're black or anything like that, but they use what we call code words. And you can kind of tell that they're talking about your race. And I'm like, and she, she stopped me from preaching for two months. And um, actually at the end of two months, I decided to leave the church, particular church, I couldn't take it anymore. Mm -hmm. And um, that was one of a few things that happening there. And so on the day, this last Sunday, she allowed me to preach on that last Sunday. Wow, wow. And I never look back. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, like you're too different, you're just different. And I'm like, but she wouldn't tell me any specifics. You know, mm -hmm. show me how to change it. You're director. You're supposed to direct me. Right. No. Nope. Wow. Yeah. So, oh, I've not forgotten. I might think about it. I get sad because it was. Oh, and now I would, I would imagine too. I'm just thinking because that's, I mean, when we're ordained, we're ordained to be a pastor, priest, and teacher. You know, you're ordained to preach. That's one of the tasks. And so to have that taken away. Right. Yeah. That's you know, I like to talk, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was um, soul slaying in that way, it hurt deeply. Yes, oh, yeah. that's why I've done it. So, thank you for being willing to share that with us. I, yes. I'm so sorry. So, one of the things obviously that we're trying to think about is how can white Christians be allies? What are things that white Christians can do to be allies for you and kind of connected to that or different is, is there anything in particular that you'd like to say to white Christians um, at this time? I would say, um, I would say to white Christians, um, first, look inside yourself. Okay. Sometimes you say, I'm not racist, but you got to make sure that you're right inside before you can try to write other things. Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, Bob Marley had a song called Judge Not. And it says, before you point your fingers, make sure your hands are clean. The deal is, too, is that, you know, we need everybody and we need white, black, whatever to come together to fix this issue of racism and, and eliminate it. But white people have to be honest with themselves. You know, you say you're not racist, but make sure of that. Because, you know, um, you can't write things until you're right yourself. And Jesus said this, you know, don't worry about the, the log in someone's eye until you fix the, the, the speck in someone's eye before you fix your own log. So that's the first thing I would say. Just make, just, you know, cleanse your heart. Ask God for help. That's why God is there. And then and then listen. Second thing is listen. And listen to black and brown people. And in a way you've never listened before. And all that is not just needing special skills. Just actually believe what you're hearing. You know. Um, because all these folks can't be lying, <laughs> you know, um, seriously. So I would say this, you know, cleanse your hearts, work on yourself and then listen. And then the Lord will help you direct to what you need to do. You know, the Lord will, you know, the things like I believe the Lord would say to you, as God would say to me, um, and would direct all of us as Christians to say, you know, work on peace, work on reconciliation, work on change, positive change. That's for everyone. And in the American ideal, I mean, it's, you know, our democratic ideals are ideal. And our founding fathers, mothers, um, have laid this um, system before us. And for us to abuse it is wrong. For us to abuse each other is wrong. You know, so I guess first thing, cleanse your hearts, listen, believe, and then do what you need to do. It could be a small thing. As, you know, saying to someone else, um, if you're a white person yourself, and say to a white person, listen, it was wrong to that person of color. Mm. You don't have to argue, you don't have to fight, but call it, because naming is a very big issue. You name something, then you can be healed. If you don't name it, you know, silence equals death. It's true, right? I'm just, you know, so those are the kind of main things. Cleanse your heart, listen, believe, and to help you act in this issue. You know, I, I have a lot of hope. Um, and I think that's good for us to have as Christians. Um, but we have to work on it. You know, they, there's a, uh, an Arabic saying that says, trust in God, but tie your camel. <laughs> it's right, you know, you, uh, you can trust in God all you want, but God wants you to act. And, you know, you have to act. Um, you can say, oh, God will take care of it. No. God said, listen, I sent you blah, blah, blah. Why didn't you do those? <laughs> you <know? laughs> so, you know, I'm hoping that in my lifetime, it'll be better. I hope in my niece's lifetime, it'll be better. Um, but we have to work at it. You know, just, we can't ignore it anymore. We can't be silly about it. Just get real, <laughs> you know. You know, two things you said in your answer that just really resonated for me. One of them was the believe it. You know, when somebody says to you, this is happening to me, or I'm experiencing this because of I'm a person of color, to actually listen. And it, what it made me think about is, and I'm sure you know this, that um, it's not uncommon when some, like when a child is reporting being abused by somebody, uh, for the person hearing it to dismiss it because they don't want to believe it. Um, and so I'm, I'm thinking, and of course that's terrible for the child, 
Mm -hmm. To have the person with the power to help them not take for grant, not take for real whatever they're saying. And it occurs to me that that's that same dynamic. If uh, you know, if somebody of color says to me, "Here's here's my experience." I might in my head, in all honesty, go to the place of saying, oh, that's not really like that, or they, you know, they misunderstood, or, um, but that's my privilege speaking on, on two counts. One is, it wouldn't happen to me, so I dismiss that it happened to them, because of privilege, just being able to assume that what happens to me is the same as what happens to others. So, no, you just made me think about why or that listening is so important and so easily dismissed because we do it in other situations. And the other right. thing you made me think about, there's, um, I can't remember the word for it, but I know that as people try to address bullying among children in schools, one of the things that they've discovered is that um, there's a whole group of people who in the past have just been bystanders and the, the theory is you may not be able to change a bully, but you can train the people who are just quietly standing by so that they can become advocates, that they can speak up. And that in your example of saying, you know, having, saying, having a white person say to another white person, I didn't like the way you talked to that person, that moves the person speaking up from being not an innocent bystander from being a um just a complacent bystander to actually being a person of action um to, to saying something does that that makes a lot of sense um and i like the connections you make um with the idea of bullying and also with the idea of how we listen or not listen to survivors of abuse um it's it's a it's the same root you know of denial Yes. Right. That can't believe that, you know, oh, you must have heard it wrong. You must have. It's the most frustrating thing to hear back from somebody when they say, oh, it can't be right. And you're like, <laughs> what do you do with that? Right. You, know? you just been dismissed. And I, gosh, I mean, I think I'm guilty of doing that sometimes. So I'm, I'm going to try to, you know, to do better and, and learn from from this. Wow. You know, I believe God calls us to be God doesn't call us to be perfect. He calls us to be faithful. So just be faithful. You know, you, no one's perfect. Someone tells you you're perfect, run the other way. <laughs> you know, but seriously, you know, just work at it. You're not going to get everything right and it's okay, but you have to work on it. You know, if you don't work on it, then, you know. That's really helpful because another, you know, as I've been doing reading recently, um, one of the things that comes up in books written by white people who are trying to, to work on this is, not that that it's not helpful for a white person to be so afraid they're going to say the wrong thing that they don't ever engage in the conversation and right. so um yeah, i've been trying to hard to listen to that and think about you know am i am i willing to be vulnerable to show my my faults and my prejudices in the hope that i will become a better person and advocate and also to help others around me, hopefully on that on that same journey. So thank you. That's a really comforting, <laughs> really comforting words. And then Lorna, you've actually spoken quite a few times about hope and the importance of hope. Um, do you want, is there anything more you want to say about what it is that gives you hope in the midst of this situation? Um, I would say that, you know, I mean, 
Well, then the scriptures say that uh, we have to um, speak out of the hope that's within us, right? Isn't there a hymn that says, on God, all my hope is founded, something like that? I mean, it's true. It's really, for me, and for you too, of course, and for any other Christian, our hope comes from God. Um, and it doesn't come from anybody else. You know, it doesn't come from human beings, which is a good thing. Because <laughs> human beings are so uh, full of foibles, you know. Um, but our hope from God is what I hang on to, right? There's an old um, gospel hymn that says, leaning on the everlasting arms. Yeah, there's a true statement. <laughs> you know, we all do. Um, for people of color, it's been more um, comforting than for some folks, you know, because you go out there in the world and you get treated a certain way. You come home and you're just feeling horrendous. And uh, when you turn to God, it helps you bear the burden a little better. Doesn't cure it necessarily, but it helps. Um, and so I would say our Christian hope is what I would hold on to first. Um, is just kind of just ask God to show you the way. We had an old professor. You remember Dr. Drybelvis? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yes, John The way now. But he always said to us, when we asked him a question, existential or not, <laughs> he would say to us, um, did you ask the Holy Spirit? Yes, I remember him saying that. Yes. And, you know, I thought about it lately. And I said, oh, Dr. Dry Belvis, you are the man. <laughs> it's true. You know, we got to turn to God. It is okay because God wants us to turn to God, you know, waiting on us, you know, been waiting for in a long time for some of us. So um, that's where my hope really comes from, you know, um, is from our Lord. And, um, I also um, continue to have great hope in the fact that we can change. I mean, it's been done before. Um, even though it's, uh, it may be long ingrained, that doesn't mean things can change. Won't change today, won't change tomorrow, won't change a year from now. But our generations to come will thank us. But it is hard work. But we just have to start, you know. Um, and it is okay for us to make mistakes in this, okay? We're not, as I said before, not perfect. Um, but if we listen and we think and, and deal with our hearts, right? Not with our prejudices, mm -hmm. right? get out of here and come into here. It's just, it, it'll work a lot better. And, um, I mean, I, <laughs> I just have a lot of hope for us, um, that it will change. Um, but we all have to be engaged. If we don't get engaged in it, then we'll continue to have this problem with my niece's grandchildren down the, the line. And that's just ridiculous. You know, we want to leave a blessing behind us, right? Yes, so. our legacy, yeah. Yeah, it's a wonderful legacy to give the, the future. Free of racism is wonderful. And it can spread to so many other things too, which is awesome. So why not? Why not work on that? It's so worth it to me, you know? Well, thank you, Lorna. And then we've been ending by praying. I'll, I'll start us off, and then if you're willing to um, come in and then lead us into the Lord's Prayer. And sure. we'll say the Lord's Prayer together, and you may know this. On Zoom, it sounds very strange. It gets kind of wonky when we're both talking at the same time. But... Um, but it's worth it to have our voices together. And also, um, folks at home can pray along with us when we do that. So. That's great. Okay. 
The Lord be with you. And also with you. Holy God, I thank you for my sister, Lorna, for the privilege of knowing her, the privilege of working alongside her, the privilege of being able to talk openly and learn from her and share experiences. God, with Lorna, I pray for our country. I pray for our world. I pray for your help and healing that we may all be reminded that there is one race, the human race, and that we may learn to look at each other and listen to each other as equals, seeing one another as worthy of dignity and respect and honor because everyone is made in your image. So I pray for your help as we continue this conversation. And I thank you again for Lorna's participation in it and the blessing she is in our lives. We thank you, O oh God, too, that you have created all the peoples of the earth and that you have blessed us with strong and loving relationships. I especially want to thank dear Anne for having this really worthy conversation. And I thank you for my part in it, as well as the parts of others she have talked to. Um, and I also want to thank you so much for the dear people of St. Andrews and for my current congregation, the dear people of St. Luke's. Um, and I pray that we will, you know, things will be better when it comes to racism, that we will be able to heal each other and help each other walk into a more just way a more um, honest way and healing way. And Lord, we thank you so much for your constant being with us and ask you, God, to complete, continue to ignite that hope that is within each of us. And as your Son, our Savior, has taught us, let us pray, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. So, listener, what are you thinking and feeling right now? How do you feel about Lorna's experience of immigrating to a racist environment and seeing all at once what is so instilled in little black and brown children as they grow up? What society makes so normal that white people don't want to hear, don't want to acknowledge? All the subtle little everyday things? But if you look, you'll see. You'll see with your heart. You'll see that racism is a human problem. A problem we all need to be concerned with. A problem we all need God's help with. These are all things Orna has told us. We can change. We can make a legacy free of racism. Cleanse your heart. Listen. Believe. Act.
Be faithful, not perfect. It's okay to make mistakes. But move forward. Listen to God. He wants you to act. Thank you for listening, and thank you for following and sharing Love Your Neighbor. This show is produced by St. Andrew's Episcopal Church, Newport News, Virginia.